Carrie and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app and more hellfire exploding overnight this time in the Sepulveda Pass. God, I got to I got to just say I feel like this one was deliberately set. I mean, just perfectly timed for a, another Santa Ana event right I, in the Sepulveda Pass. Well, I also partly blame Nick because on Friday we were talking about gosh why does this always seem to happen on a Thursday so that all of Friday's show becomes a fire show? And then he said, wouldn't it be nice if it happened on a Monday? What? Well, it's just kind of uh, selfish, isn't it? Right. Like to plan the show around fires. I, it's him. He's the one. Wow. I just thought it was. You don't yeah, have an excuse. I don't know where you were at on one this. in the morning. That's Nick. That's fine. Uh, okay, so the big fire that we're watching right now, of course, is this fire that's burning through the Sepulveda Pass area. It's called the Getty Fire right now. They're saying it's at 500-plus acres. Five uh, homes destroyed, and the mayor this hour coming out and saying that there's no proof that this was started by, and I'm quoting here, Angelinos who are unhoused. That's a new one. That is a new one. That's a twofer. What that's kinda... not just Angelino. No, no. Because, like, who in their normal conversation says Angelinos? Like, when you're talking to your friends, about like, oh, should we go to L.A.? I have, I have a some friend friends. I've got who's some an Angelino. Yeah, I've got some Angelinos we could hang out with tonight. No. I mean, nobody says that. Nobody also says unhoused. Just call it what it is. People living in the in the uh, homeless encampments. Yeah, and, and the, the fact that he would go through the mental gymnastics to do that in the middle of a uh, news conference like right. that doesn't make any sense. Um, UCLA has canceled classes for today, not necessarily because the campus is under threat, uh, of any fire. Again, this is burning on the west side of the 405, different than the Skirball fire, the opposite side of the from where the Skirball fire was a couple of years ago. And along with those homes that have been damaged, there are other structures that are still threatened. So they're talking about thousands of people who have been evacuated from that area in the Sepulveda Pass and parts west of that, including LeBron James, which I LeBron think the world James. we need to just stop at this point until we have. Uh, a, a housed Angelino who happens to be named LeBron James. I like how he took to Twitter and said to everybody, hey, if you're told to get out, get out, please. And uh, the uh, Red Cross picked up on that, retweeted it, said, make sure to listen to King James on this. Arnold Schwarzenegger, another one of the people who has been forced to evacuate as that Getty fire burns near Brentwood. He also took to Twitter warning anyone who's in the evacuation zone to get out. He thanked the firefighters. We called the true action heroes. Okay, Um, but yeah, like you heard in in Amy's news there in the weather report, it's just going to get worse. The strongest Santa Ana wind event of the season is roaring into the area tomorrow night. Um, One of the things that we've followed as sort of a sidelight to the the wind and the fire, of course, is the public safety power shutoffs that we'd seen up and down the state. And I saw a headline this morning from a newspaper in San Francisco that said that Pacific Gas and Electric which has cut power to about 2 million people over the course of the last couple of days, has said that they might not turn the power back on in between these wind events. I talked to my parents, my mom this morning, uh, because I had seen on Instagram when they were at the Niner game yesterday. She's like, we don't have power, but we're at the game. So I called her this morning to see how it's going. Saturday night is when they lost power, about 8 o'clock. So no power Saturday night, no power Sunday. We're into Monday, and she had heard that they might turn it on at 11 just for like a few hours. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that gets you in terms of charging your stuff. I don't know if that's long enough, you know. 
Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But and then, and then the news that you read was that they're just going to keep going through the next event. That means days without power. Yeah, day. I, I mean, potentially and, a week. I mean, depending on how long this lasts and what the conditions and are. She, she said she went to the to the market and it was all pitch black and Safeway. Luckily, there was a guy outside on a bike who said, "Lucky's down the street." Um, still has a, a generator working. So I, she went there, it was eight in the morning and people were just going after the big blocks of ice and there were no carts. And she said, you know, it was one of those events where you just, I just wanted to hug everybody, sure. you know, because she didn't have a card and there was a woman who's like, you can use my card. And a, another guy's like, oh, let me help you carry that to your car. And it was like one of those events where it makes you feel good uh, about humanity. So they didn't talk about politics. No, no, they didn't. Uh, Chris and Carlo is uh, has been out on this Getty fire all morning long and has been helping us cover the uh, the the movement of this fire. Chris, what's going on? Well, right now, I'm on Tiger Tail Road, which is, uh, I think, probably the picture of this fire because of the number of homes that burned down along this road. I just hiked uh, up to the top because there's only so far you can go before it just gets too narrow. Too many engines can't drive up anymore. So I hiked up to the top of the uh, the road here. And as you go up, it's unbelievable because you see, you know, burned out home, burned out home, burned out home, completely fine home. And then another burned out home. And on the other side of the road, everything looks as though it's been completely untouched. Meanwhile, the, the road itself, follows one of these fingers of uh, of mountain that works its way back down toward the sea or toward the basin. And so along this finger of a ridge line, as the road traverses its way to the top of it, you get these vistas on either side of a completely burnt out landscape. And uh, specifically when you get all the way up to the near the top-ish of the, uh, of the road, of Tiger Tail Road, um, it kind of splits off a little bit into, I think it's Skyview Terrace or Skyview Road. And up there, uh, you look back to the north along what is that open territory up toward the uh, country club up there. And the uh, name of the country club escapes me. But everything is just completely burned out along the hillside right up to these homes. And, again, it's indiscriminate. So you have two or three homes that are completely just destroyed. The only things that are left standing are the things that are built to withstand fire. And then you have homes that look as though they've been completely untouched. There was one home, car parked in the driveway, and it was, uh, you know, you hear the chirping of the fire alarms just going off in the background. But nothing had touched that home. Meanwhile, on the, on the left-hand side, two homes just completely raised to the ground. On the right-hand side, another home completely raised to the ground, an infinity pool full of ash and debris and what would be an exceptional vista instead just completely clouded in smoke and beyond the smoke what you could see is nothing but the death of the hillside just completely scoured of life by this fire. Hey Chris, can you hold on through the break? I want to talk to you about how this thing just took off overnight and the areas um, in particular that we're talking about. It looks like it forms a box really when you get down to this fire map. Yep, sounds good. All awesome. right. Chris Carlo is out there covering the Getty Fire. He'll be back with us in just a moment. As we do all of this, it looks like we're going to probably do this all day. Just a quick update. We know that at noon today, we're expecting an update from L.A. City Fire about the Getty Fire. We'll also keep an eye on the fire that was burning out in the Calabasas area that appears to have stopped. And, of course, the big one up in Northern California as well, which is uh, the, the winds are dying down. They're going to take this opportunity over the next few hours to basically pour everything they have at that fire in Northern California to prevent it from jumping up when the winds pick up again later on. You got some change inside your pocket, but it doesn't change a thing. I'm a stranger to your snob, but I have seen some stranger things. On a 
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Talking about fires today, and as we've done for the last several days, if you go to the website, KFIAM640.com, we have information about evacuation areas, those uh, those areas under evacuation orders, the voluntary evacuation spaces, and also places that you can go if you need to in terms of uh, shelters, etc. Looks like we've got 500 acres at least burned in the Sepulveda Pass at a fire that took off at 1.30 this morning. Classes at UCLA have been canceled and a portion of the 101 shut down. Chris Carlo is there and joins us again. Chris, it looks like this thing took off with some speed. Yeah, through the overnight hours, as uh, as the winds were projected to pick up, I mean, we were expecting to hit a red flag warning last night at 10. And I think what caught people off guard a little bit was that we had a relatively nice onshore flow yesterday. Uh, and so because of that, you know, I know as far up as the San Gabriel Valley last night, you know, you had cloud cover up until 10, 11 o'clock. And then down in this neck of the woods, I've heard reports that there was even some light mist. And so all of that kind of compounded into perhaps a sense of, ease with this upcoming event and then once the winds really kicked up into the overnight that uh, of course pushes everything offshore and it also dries everything out and picked up whatever started this fire again we don't really have any idea of how this fire started yet at least that, that i've heard now i'm up tramping around through things so i haven't talked to uh the the brass lately but um oh well I'll, i can fill you in on that uh, eric oh, garcetti super. did say this hour that there's no proof at this point that it was started by angelinos who are unhoused Ah, yeah. So that was the direct well, quote. You know what, though? Here's the thing. He's got to say that every single time because that's the first conclusion that people to uh, jump to. And it, it is, I think, a somewhat logical conclusion to jump to. But it is also a bit unfortunate because then we're locking out all these other things that could have potentially also caused the fire. So between homeless people and, uh, you know, power uh, uh, companies. Uh, 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 uh. We refer <laughs> to them yeah. as Angelinos who are unhoused. Get it right. No, sorry. sorry, guys. I'm in the field. Things are moving very quickly here. Trying to keep up with everything. Um, but with that said, uh, the way this fire is progressing right now is a little bit confusing. It seems as though they're they're concentrating a lot of the resources to the north here. So there's a little neighborhood called Crestwood Hills, which is you know at the top here of uh, of Brentwood. So if you follow Sunset, Sunset runs really kind of um, at the bottom of the hill, for lack of a better term. And then as you work your way up these streets from Sunset, you're going to gain in elevation, and you're also going to gain in tax bracket. And as you get closer and closer to the tops of these hills, you have bigger homes, which also are surrounded by more wildland interface. And so because of that, they're really concentrating, especially around like Mandeville Canyon. That's what I've been noticing a lot of where I've been noticing a lot of the drops uh, from the end of Crestwood Hills all the way back up to Mountain Gate Country Club. Earlier, the DC-10s were out dropping retardant, uh, basically in that territory, trying to do whatever they could to make sure the fire doesn't leak over. Because if you look at a map here, the the problem that firefighters are dealing with is if this fire slops over or or leaks over into a lot of this dense wildland that is off to the west of um, of Brentwood, then you're starting to get into all that territory that did not burn last year during the Woolsey fire, and then you get a nice little run down toward Topanga. Now, the thing is, the winds are blowing out of the east-northeast as, uh, as these Santa Ana winds are wont to do, uh, so the winds are probably not pushing it in that direction, but still... It is, you don't want to get into a situation where you have changing winds or where you have a topography-driven fire now working its way into a lot of dense fuel. The um, the people who have left, they're just headed out, uh, I would imagine, like you mentioned, the higher tax brackets. They're not necessarily going to shelters. Uh, 
Do you have any idea where it is that people have been heading to get out of there? Chances are a lot of really nice hotels or friends' houses. Uh, I'm sure some of the shelters are being used as well. I mean, I don't want to just cast aspersions upon everyone living in this uh, in this neighborhood and say that everybody's the same. But no less, um, I know LeBron James, for example, uh, was trying to find somewhere with his family and uh, tweeted out that all the hotels were full. So I have yet to call all the hotels to find out if they're full. But uh, according to our celebrities on the ground, the, uh, the <laughs> hotels are troublesome. Um, and, you know, the other thing is that f- basically from what I've seen, driving up and down these streets it seems as though most people have heeded that mandatory evacuation call it's a pretty big evacuation order that came down all at once and seems to have been relatively orderly what was not orderly was the 405 or sepulveda boulevard this morning because for whatever reason people i i don't know if they just are not paying attention to anything that's happening in the entire universe or what but they get on the road and drive right into the teeth of, the, of everything and then get frustrated and start you know doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the middle of the road the 405 so, and sepulveda on a normal monday morning are a disaster area so i can only assume and especially people get frustrated and all of that yeah it, well it wasn't i mean it was not even moving and it was one of those things where You've got to understand, like, okay, well, there's a fire in front of us, so maybe, maybe I should find another way to get to work. (laughs) Chris and Carlo, thank you so much. Appreciate the information. We'll be checking back with you throughout the show today. Sounds good, guys. Chris and Carlo, they're live in the middle of uh, what is being called the Getty Fire up in the Sepulveda Pass, burning west of the 405 freeway. And uh, as Chris mentioned, it's about 500-plus acres. We're going to get an update we expect at about noon Uh, on some of the conditions. Coming up next, John Cobalt is around the evacuation area. He's going to join us about what he has seen and uh, what people are doing and how they're handling it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. One of the evacuees I was reading about, uh, David Boyle is his name. He says he woke up at 3 a.m. to his doorbell ringing. Police officers pounding on the front door. Lives in the Brentwood area. Said that they told him to evacuate immediately. I mean, imagine that. 3 a.m., just in the dead of night. You're sleeping. Bang, 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 bang. I would imagine uh, that there would be some, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine. I haven't been evacuated in that that way yet from from my house. We've already evacuated our important stuff to another location, just in case we're not home, because we live in a wildfire area, too. Think about that. Um, one of those people who lives in a wildfire area, at least uh, is very close enough to this fire to be affected by it, John Cobalt, uh, host of the aptly named John Ken Show, which comes up 2 o'clock today. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, John, so you are not evacuated, right? But but you're ready in case. Yeah, the mandatory evacuation zone stops a quarter of a mile from our house because it's the evacuation zone, the southern border is Sunset Boulevard. And uh, we're a few blocks in, south of Sunset. So it's uh, it's right there. What was your but, morning uh, like? I mean, when did you hear about what was going on, and, and what did you do, and did you pack anything? I I, I woke up at three oh nine exactly, and no reason either. I just my eyes opened, and I have a habit of looking at the uh, alarm clock to see how many more hours of sleep I have. And there was there was no alarm clock. It was dark. And I realized there's no power. And I went and got my phone, and I had one of those uh, emergency alerts from the fire department. That's, there's, there's a fire in our area. So then I looked 
for my wife, and she's not there. Uh, she has a habit of falling asleep on the uh, couch downstairs watching TV. So in the blackness, I had to go find her. And uh, we'd gone through this two years ago. And, you know, we realized two years ago we were starting to pack up too much stuff. So this time it was just two bags and the cat and the dog in their containers. And, uh, you know, I grabbed a box of uh, family videotapes. And we were just going to go minimalist this time and let everything else uh, <laughs> let go of everything else. But uh, he, go ahead. No, so uh, but and then and then you're all amped up and ready to go. But we're not in the in the zone quite. We're just south of it, so we're not going to move if we don't have to. It would have to judge, jump Sunset Boulevard. And at this point, the fire was in the hills, uh, burning some homes about two miles from us. And we know the streets, and we know some of the people who live in, in those neighborhoods. So my wife was on the phone calling all kinds of friends to see, and you know, a lot of them had evacuated, too. They were in a panic getting out. Yeah, is it is it and crazy then, out and about? Like, have you been out and about? Are people freaking out? Have they, have they stormed the bagel shops of the West Side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just skipped the bagel run this morning. Uh, no, I don't know, because I haven't left the house, uh, other than to put a few things in the car. And move the cars out in the street in case the power goes out again, because we have a gate, right? And you can you can get trapped in. But I I went back in and eventually I, I fell asleep because I got up at three in the morning. So I figured if all hell breaks loose, my my wife is on alert downstairs. She might wake you. Uh, I mean, you know, fifty fifty. <laughs> Fifty-fifty. Yeah, I don't think the insurance policy got renewed yet, so. <laughs> She's going to need somebody to drive that other car. <laughs> so, um, as the mayor said this morning, there's no proof yet that it was started by Angelinos who are unhoused. Uh, are there... Um, he actually said yes, that? Yes, oh, true yeah. story, true story. It's a twofer right there. A real ding-dong. Angelinos who are unhoused. Um, are there encampments in the area? Oh, my God. God, <laughs> what a dope. Um, well, it's, it's, it's the same thing as the one two years ago. It's, it's the same area where it started. The one two years ago that uh, burned some homes in Bel Air was an encampment under the, uh, it was on Sepulveda Boulevard underneath 405 overpass. Now, this one has started not that far away, and it's the same thing. It was where Sepulveda and 405. You know, we're either parallel to each other or they cross each other. So I don't know the exact spot. Um, and I hadn't heard anything. about. It. <laughs> so he said there's no proof of this. Well, he seemed, interesting he seemed to be pretty certain that it wasn't an Angelino who was unhoused. He did say they have information about how it started, but then didn't say anything about that. You know. If they knew it was uh, something from a car, if they knew it was intentionally set by somebody, he didn't say that. He just wanted to make sure that his friends uh, who are currently unhoused were not blamed for it. <laughs> yeah, well, at this point, I don't, I don't, I don't believe anything he says. So, well, good luck. I'll, and... I'll, I'll wait until there's a, a, another source of information. Good luck. Keep us posted, and if you could pack, right. uh, if you could pack your robes. So that you can still wear those at the Postathon, I think that everyone would yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, actually, uh, I did pack the robes. There that you go. The only, uh, you got to pack yeah, the robes. Only, uh, the, the, that I got emotional attachment to. The videos of the children and the robes. 
Right. <laughs> Thanks, right. John. Right. <laughs> Thank you, John Cobalt. There again, just just outside of the uh, mandatory evacuation zone, but ready to go if necessary. Uh, we'll come back and talk about the weather. The weather here and the weather up north, uh, Northern California. We are expecting what they're saying is going to be the strongest Santa Ana winds of the season in a couple of days. Oh, and that's great. It seems like that we've said that every few days for the last two weeks. The next one is going to be even stronger. All right. We'll get into that when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Anytime as well, you can listen to our podcasts on that iHeartRadio app of past shows. If for some reason you thought we said something stupid and you wanted to go back and check, chances are you'll... You'll find something in there. You'll find something. There's really something stupid for everyone. Oh, it's smorgasbord of stupidity sometimes. Um, obviously, we've been following our fires. We'll get to those in a second. A couple of other stories that we wanted to update you on. Um, obviously, we spent a lot of time last week uh, on the Katie Hill story, the she congresswoman gone. for the 25th district. She has resigned, and why shouldn't she? If any other congressperson had naked pictures with a staffer uh, that were exposed, it doesn't matter that it was her ex-husband that was revenge porning her, basically. You don't have a relationship with an underling when you're yeah. a congressperson. Regardless of what gender it you are. It doesn't matter. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says that Katie Hill did acknowledge some errors in judgment. Pelosi said made her continued service in Congress untenable. So she published a, uh, a statement last night that was her explaining to the constituents in the 25th District why she was going to be leaving. Uh, there was a video that was put out as well, and she looked like she'd been crying for some time. Um, also, Egyptian f- officials say they are stepping up security in parts of Egypt After the death of ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the extremist uh, leader was killed a day earlier during the military raid in Syria brought on by American special forces. This guy was um, brilliant enough to strap a suicide vest to himself and blow himself up and three of his kids as we were cornering him, uh, had him cornered down a tunnel. So Gavin Newsom uh, news this morning that he wants Berkshire Hathaway to take over PG&E. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's going toe-to-toe with them. He's taking a, a different tact than we've seen lawmakers just kind of bow down to, to, uh, to PG&E in the past. But you know what? He has to politically because if he doesn't hold their feet to the fire, excuse that, uh, if he does not hold them accountable, I should say, then he's going to get the blame for this. Absolutely. Even though it's not really his fault, to be fair. Well, it's it, the it's the decades of mismanagement on both the PG&E and the wildland fire mitigation issues. More power to them, I think. Absolutely. I, if uh, power of, of the douche canoe comes the, through him, then do it. Uh, CHP has reopened PCH at Temescal Canyon Road. Topanga Canyon, if you're wondering, remains closed to non-residents from PCH to Mulholland. Uh, when we last spoke with uh, Chris Ancarlo, he was way up on the top of Tiger Trail, a uh, Tiger Tail Trail, uh, sort of between Mandeville Canyon and the uh, 405 Freeway, right where this Getty Fire is burning. And 
Chris, we've been watching. I imagine it's probably pretty stunning from your perspective. He's not here yet. Not here? No. Okay. But, you know, you can speak to him in your heart. Then in my heart, I would say the amazing aerial assault that we've seen on this fire from our vantage point, which is basically we're right piggybacking on some of these TV helicopters that are in that area, that it's stunning when you're that close to it as well. It is very close to Getty Center Drive. It was believed to have been three to four acres when it was first observed early this morning, about 1.30, but it took off with a quickness, spread right quick to about 40 acres, and then by 7 a.m., a beast more than 500 acres, 0% containment. Again, we are waiting for a 12 o'clock press conference, hoping to maybe get an update on those numbers. But fire officials describe this thing as very dynamic, moving in a westward direction, driven by high winds, winds up to 66 miles per hour reported in the area. Five homes destroyed, 10,000 structures threatened. And we do have an emergency declaration in motion that the uh, the mayor has signed. It's about a box. It's like a box up there in the hills. Uh, Temescal Canyon Road is the west border. The east border is the 405. To the north, Mulholland remains the border there. And to the south, Sunset. So it's a huge swath of the Sepulveda Pass there. Uh, the Palisades area as well is under uh, evacuation warnings. All the way to Topanga, they're considering that the evacuation warning. If you're in that area, they're telling you that this could potentially go that far, and they just want everybody to be ready. But that's the area that burned. If you remember Palisades Drive that we talked about, was it was that a week ago? Seems like it was three weeks ago. Yeah. But the Palisades fire that started on Palisades Drive went up the hillside and damaged some of those homes there, uh, at least some of those yards. That was... Uh, that is currently under an evacuation warning. It's not mandatory as of yet. Um, we're also following the uh, the traffic impact in all of this. Of course, the 405 was uh, shut down for for hours already. The 101 was shut down earlier today for a time out in Calabasas, but a couple of lanes have reopened there. This had the potential. This is the weirdest part about what we've seen, I think, in these last fires. The tick fire out there in Canyon Country, this fire this morning. There appear to be bursts of wind that are that stay gusty for several hours and then just kind of disappear. I mean, right now, the conditions out there in the Sepulveda Pass around the Getty Fire, the smoke that's coming up, it's not blowing horizontally. I mean, it doesn't appear to be as anywhere near as windy as it was overnight. And we saw that with the tick fire as well, that on Thursday, as the fire started and grew in size, we didn't really... You know, it, it was progressing at a at an aggressive rate, but it wasn't an explosion of size. And then overnight, when it jumped the four, uh, the 14 freeway on Friday morning, that's when we saw that huge uh, burst of wind come through. But, but again, by late Friday morning, that was all that wind had died down considerably. This could really be the time to get up on this fire in Northern California and Southern California, as well as the winds die down. Uh Chris Ancarlo is uh, is with us now. He's up there in the Sepulveda Pass, joins us. Hey, how's it looking? Yeah, I mean, as Gary was just kind of saying, there's not a lot of smoke right now. And uh, what I'm doing is uh, I was trying to go further up Kenter Road, I think it's called, uh, up toward the country where a lot of the, at least according to radar, a lot of the airdrops are. And if I can just back my vehicle up here just about six or seven feet here. Got to look down along where they've laid a line of retardant um, right along the uh, the side of 
the this neighborhood here. So this is Crestwood Hills that I'm still in. Uh, different road and further up. All of these homes uh, right along where the, uh, I guess, wildlands come up to, they've got structure protection in place. So there's an engine, for example. I'm looking down the driveway. There's an engine at the end there. They've got hose uh, out and ready to go, ready to put water down on this thing as soon as possible. Uh, meanwhile, about another, oh, I'd say about another quarter to a half mile back, you're going to see some um, some retardant that's been laid down on top of uh, one of these ridge lines, and then the smoke is just kind of laying down. So it's almost a smoldering that's happening at the moment. Now watching a tanker uh, come over the hillside, see if it's going to drop. Is it going to drop? No, it doesn't look like it. Flying pretty low, so it looks like it dropped just on the other side of the hillside. But from the line of pink that's already been laid down here, off to the right-hand side, which is going to be off toward the east side of this ridge, I mean, it is completely of any sort of plant life barring one uh, coast oak it looks like and then on the other side everything looks fine so that appears to be one of the spots where they've uh, chosen strategically to make a stand to stop the fire from burning further and like I said in the last hit from leaking out toward uh, the just amount of tor- territory massive amount of territory back towards Topanga which and, uh, areas that, are do you know I, I'm not sure if you know but which areas are they most concerned about I read Mandeville Canyon earlier yeah. this morning was a major issue yeah so we're not I'm not too far away from Mandeville Canyon I'm kind of at the mouth of it to be uh, as exact as I can be so Kinter Road runs basically up into into Mandeville Canyon and um, they certainly don't want it to take hold there and then work its way because if it does the uh, fire then has a chance to kind of work its way back over into all of that wildland territory all the way back down towards Topanga and you know like I said down there man it's so thick and it hasn't burned in such a long time and that's basically the remnants of normalcy that is left anywhere down near Malibu. So uh, that that is certainly something that they are going to pay a lot of attention to. The good news is that as I'm looking at all the treetops here, and I'm up pretty close to a ridgeline at the moment, not a lot of movement in the tops of these trees. And looking at the smoke, it's really drifting instead of being pushed. So, you know, the smoke, what little is left compared to what we saw this morning, is uh, is rising as it does on the heat on of the fire, but it's not really being pushed by the wind. So that's another good indicator that perhaps conditions have calmed down significantly for firefighters right here along the fire front. You want to hang on for one second, Chris, because we're going to take a break and come back to you. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Chris and Carlos there covering the Getty Fire in the Sepulveda Pass area. We'll talk about where this thing is going and how it is that they're going to try to get a handle on it while the winds are calm right now. Gary and Shannon. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Just got a email from Richard, who is driving by. Looks like uh, passing over the 210 Hubbard at Foothill. Oh, no. A little uh, smoke uh, near an area of an on-ramp there, it looks like, and said that uh, this guy was trying to put out fire with a water cup. The a water cup. cup. Cup of water, yep. Where is um, that 210 at where? There's 210 at Hubbard, I guess. 
in Silmar is what he said. Oh, so it's not a great spot for that. Some smoke in that area, and that's not a great spot. Chris I don't think Carlo, any great spot. Here. No. Chris Carlo is in the fire everyone's talking about right now. It is the Getty Fire. It's uh, more than 500 acres, i got to believe, at this point. Started taking off this morning overnight about 1.30. And we're supposed to get an update uh, about noon, Chris. Does it look like this thing is, is laying down from your vantage point? Yeah, it looks like they're doing a good job on it. You know, obviously with these things, you don't want to say, oh, it's done and dusted. I mean, there are still active fire spots. For example, along Tiger Trail Road, as I was driving up Kinter Road here, or Kinter Avenue, um, there was a home that continues to burn. It's been a really stubborn fight for firefighters, and it continues to put off a lot of smoke. And then I just uh, watched as one of the uh, L.A. City Fire Department helicopters put down some water on a flare-up that's along this hillside. And uh, you saw that brown smoke turn white as the water flashed into steam. You had the helicopter taking another turn right over me. So what I did is uh, I've driven up to the top of this bridge here and I'm like, I think I'm at a uh, trailhead. I'm not really sure what it is, but a really good view of what has burned in front of me. I'm watching now as one of the Firehawks from LA County is descending on that same hot spot that was uh, just hit by the, um, by the LA city guy. Let's watch him go drop that water he drops it just above a camp crew a bunch of orange dots about 15 of them right alongside the completely blackened hillside and as that uh, chopper takes off it's uh, kicking back a bunch of wind and a lot of dust over that camp crew as they're uh, working their way down some really steep terrain Uh, looks like they're trying to get to that hot spot as well and just really isolated so the fire burned clean across this hillside you've got a few little islands of vegetation and that's going to be the focal point for a lot of these crews that are out there to make sure that those Islands of vegetation don't turn into flaming aisles of vegetation. And then uh, they will just continue to work through and make sure that there's nothing else that is smoldering here. Uh, there is a little bit more of a smoke cloud on the other side of the ridge. I can't pin down exactly what's burning over there. But from where I am, that would be closer to the 405 and, and then again back toward the uh, country club up to the north. Yeah, so to that, is, to that uh, point, Chris, I've been watching some of the helicopter shots, and it looks like some of the uh, some of the trees that are right there on would kind of be the southern uh, southern border of that Mountain Gate Country Club there, the golf course. That some of those are now catching fire. That that is probably the smoke that you're seeing because it's a little bit darker. Yeah. It's not that white smoke yeah. that comes out after uh, after they've hit it a couple of times with water. Yeah, that would be uh, that would make a lot of sense. And typically, because landscape architects back in the 1950s and 1960s and 1930s and 1940s were all completely off their rocks and thought eucalyptus trees were great windbreaks for country clubs, that's probably what <laughs> well, they're they well, they right were. Now. It's just that they also happened to be uh, great for fires. They're, they're, I mean, they're basically gigantic matchsticks that just uh, can't wait to combust and then catch everything else on fire around them. But typically, that's what we see is, you know, around country clubs because golfers need to have perfect conditions. Otherwise, you know, they don't have good stories to tell when they go home. You end up with these uh, massive trees that are built from windbreaks. And, oh, we may get a, a nice retardant drop here. If this guy's dropping, so the lead plane just dropped in the canyon here in between me and this camp crew, and I saw the tanker circling around. Let's see if this tanker takes a dip right on down. Um, give it a second. May have something sounding pretty nice. And while I wait for it, let me just kind of tell you. Here we go. Man. Nice. Dropped right in between me and the other ridge line over there. Oh, I love that sound. Everything else that is there and just... Man, that uh, that, 
that vector of him just, I mean, like he was able to grab that angle and just hook it right off to the right-hand side. What a beautiful turn. That is and just then, uh, the best sight when you're out of your home and you see those guys go in there with those precise drops. And it's just one of those let me cheer you on moments. Thank you, fire crews. <laughs> yeah, right. those guys too. I mean, to fly a plane of that size into this canyon, it, I mean, he basically had... Oh, I don't know. A few hundred feet on either wing before he's hitting uh, either of these ridges. That is some gnarly stuff to watch happen. All right, Chris, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, guys. Chris San Carlo there in the uh, Sepulveda Pass area along where the uh, Getty fire has been burning since about 1.30 this morning. All right, we will stay on fire coverage. It looks like these fires are getting much, much larger as we, as we uh, move through time here and why that is. We'll tell you about that also. What they're going to do to plan for what they're calling the strongest Santa Ana event that's going to hit tomorrow night into Wednesday. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. It ain't worth another drink. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Again, in about a half an hour from now, we are hoping to get an update from the Sepulveda Pass, where I'm looking at live pictures overhead near the golf course there of just a lot of active fire. Looks like they are making a lot of progress. As you hear Chris and Carlos say, actively doing retardant drops, water drops in the area. Uh, but there remains to be a lot of active flanks to this fire. Uh, PG&E is out again today to say that they may have started a couple of other fires in the Bay Area this weekend as well. Yeah. That's great. That's <laughs> it's getting out I... of control. Now, we don't know what has caused this Getty fire, 500 plus acres. We haven't. We don't know what caused it. Uh, early this morning is about one thirty, one forty-five. We do know that the um, the governor, sorry, not the governor, the mayor came out to say that it was not homeless people. We can't confirm that this was not something that was caused by an encampment or um, by uh, Angelinos who are unhoused. So oh, put that in your vernacular that we can use now. Angelinos who are unhoused. That's a twofer at, right there. You yeah. got Angelinos and then unhoused. Okay. Um, did, did I... At 7.45, did I become unhoused today? Yes. When I left my house. You are house currently to get a, an unhoused Angelino. But I am, but I am or officed. Or a Burbankian. I'm officed at this point. Uh-huh. I'm a Burbankian. I'm an officed Burbankian. You know one of the reasons why Donald Trump won is because he speaks like a normal person. And that's something that the left has not been able to grasp. He doesn't say Angelinos. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, okay. Wildfires, nothing new to California. But in the past two years, uh, we have had the deadliest and most destructive wildfires in our history. Producer Hannah found this story for us. And it's just stark how how big the difference is when you look at the size of these things. Since the 1970s, California wildfires have increased in size by eight times. The annual burned area has now grown by nearly 500 percent from what it was. 
Yeah, and in just these last two years alone, one and a half million acres in 2017, one point six million acres in 2018, and 2018 was the deadliest year because of the campfire. There what were, is that? 137 people killed between the two years. Between too? those two years, yeah. Uh, 23,000 structures damaged or destroyed last year. 93 people died last year. 85 of those when the campfire blew through paradise uh, almost uh, exactly a year ago. The winds are getting worse. The strong, dry winds, for instance, there were hurricane force winds driving the flames yesterday in Northern California. They had gusts in Sonoma County at 93 miles per hour. Uh, the red flag warnings for that part of the state, Sonoma County, they expired at about 11 o'clock this morning. So the the plan, according to the news conference from very early this morning up in Sonoma County, was everything they have, every air resource they have, every helicopter, plane, ground crew, everything, they were going to make their move at 11 o'clock and get around this thing as much as they could in those high uh, the, the areas that are at highest risk of spread and try to cut some fire line around it because we know that those winds are going to pick back up over the next couple of days. Another one of the issues, and we've touched on it before, is all the dead trees in California alone. 129 million dead trees. We've talked about the lack of action from PG&E, SoCal Edison, when it comes to updating equipment, but we cannot leave out Cal Fire. They do a great job fighting fires in the state. There's no doubt about it. But when it comes to forest management and thinning that out, they have not done a great job over the past decade or 15 years. Uh, fire season itself, we've kind of uh, jokingly said, it's not a funny joke, but uh, jokingly said that fire season is year-round in California. They, it's, it's not technically, but in the Sierras alone, they say that fire season has increased by 75 days, and it seems to correspond with the increase in the extent of the forest fires that are going on throughout the state. Here's the other issue about this is, we get, uh, you know, we get sucked into California fires because they're happening in our neighborhoods to people that we know, et cetera. There's still plenty of other fires that are burning throughout the western United States. And even if we do, for example, Saturday night, driving on the freeway, I passed an entire uh, unit. It looked like a couple of engines and a couple of uh, smaller units from the Yuma, Arizona Fire Department heading here to help us with our fires. Uh, that's not to say that they don't also have the threat. It's just that ours is much more uh, urgent urgent right now. Yeah. Uh, Nick just found this bit. Apparently, there were 75 retired nuns that had to be evacuated in Brentwood from the Sisters of St. Joseph of Carondelet in Brentwood. So they had to get that's a lot of nuns, 75 nuns. Eight of them are bedridden. They're keeping him in a nursing home nearby. And look at this. Kevin sent us this picture from his flight. He's on his flight from Palm Springs to San Francisco. Oh, yeah. From Palm Springs, you get in the air and you can see the fire. You can see the uh, smoke from these fires. Uh, All right. When we come back, we're going to get an update on what's going on up north. The Kincaid fire burning in Northern California is up over 66,000 acres. And now is the time that they have to try to get some line around this as they... uh, Get ready for yet another Santa Ana wind coming in. I'm sorry. They call Diablo. it the Diablo winds up right. there. It's the same guy. It's either Satan or the devil. Either one, the bad wind, okay? Gary and Shannon. And I'm not talking like a weekend in Chicago bad wind. I'm talking about wow. hot, dry, never mind. I spent 10,000 hours, 10,000 more. Oh, if that's what it takes 
Thanks for the affirmations. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Fires are dominating the news. Make sure that uh, if you have specific questions about evacuation areas, about shelters, about anything, we have a lot of information up on our website. If you go to KFI AM 640, Dot com. You'll find information not just about the Getty Fire that's burning in the Sepulveda Pass, 500-plus acres or so, uh, but other fires that have popped up. We talked about the one. There was uh, one out in Calabasas this morning that was thankfully put down pretty quick, didn't really spread more than about 10 acres. There will be others, and even as the winds die down today, they're expected to come back. We could see what they're saying, the strongest Santa Ana winds coming through the season late tomorrow night into Wednesday and possibly Thursday as well. Well, Jane Wells joins us now from Healdsburg, the Soda Rock Winery, which I'm assuming is not open for business today, question mark. That is correct. <laughs> um, talk about PG&E, if you can, and SoCal Edison and, and what we're doing with the, with the technology there. Well, one would think in the technology capital of the world, uh, the fifth largest economy on the planet, that the solution to wildfires wouldn't be to turn off the power to several million people ahead of time, that there would be something better than that. But it is uh, the best thing they got going right now. Um, Whether or not it has prevented fires, and they think it may have, it certainly did prevent all of them. And in fact, as you probably know, the Kincaid fire may have been started by a PG&E transmission line. They don't know that for sure yet. But they've been investing in technology, particularly SoCal Edison. There's a couple of pilot programs, which L.A. County Fire Chief Daryl Osby told me about, that they've been using just this year. One is a $4 million grant they gave to the Orange County Fire Authority to lease two helicopters which can fly at night, um, even in, over the forest, into the forest. One helicopter does through infrared, does mapping, and the other helicopter carries water, trails behind it. And they did use that last week in the tick fire. And the other interesting thing that um, the Southern California is coming up with is out of UC San Diego. It's an app called Wi-Fire. I think the the fire uh, uh, organizations put in maybe $200,000. What it is is app that uses artificial intelligence and cameras and does better sort of supercomputing predictions. And is it working? Well, Chief Osby told me last week that with the tick fire, when it kind of settled down that night, Wi-Fi predicted it was going to kick up and jump the 14 freeway the next day, and that is exactly what happened. The funny thing, guys, is I said, oh, show me the app on your phone. He says, oh, I don't have it. I said, well, well, why don't you have the app? He says, because it's going off all the time. No, it's important that the incident chiefs have it, and the incident chief did have it, um, and it was sending him, you know, data, 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 data all the time about what might happen next with the fire. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, it, this if we've got that much technology, at least on the response end of it, uh, to your point, what you were saying first, it makes sense that eventually we'll have some tech on the front end of it so that the, the power lines don't spark these fires in the first place. Or that they have a better idea of where to turn the power off. Right. What's interesting is you'll be in neighborhoods where the power is off because utilities and the utilities are underground. You think, well, that's crazy. Why is that? Well, these utilities, these underground lines are connected further upstream to above ground lines, and those have to be turned off, so you get you get screwed that way. Did you hear about Gavin Newsom calling for Berkshire Hathaway to take over yeah. PG&E? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants Warren Buffett to buy PG&E out of bankruptcy. Warren Buffett didn't get to be Warren Buffett. 
by buying things <laughs> like PG&E out of Baker's. Now, for a price, you know, uh, he he, you know, everything has a price, and I assume if it was cheap enough, I mean, what, it's look, PG&E is is too big to fail at this point. It has. People say, oh, why don't they put all the lines underground? Why aren't they spending money fortifying all the lines? Well, they got 125,000 miles of lines. They could circle the earth five times with that. That's going to take a ton of money and a ton of time. So what I find interesting, Elon Musk was on Twitter today because a lot of people are talking about, oh, let's use batteries. Because even if you have solar, most of the time you're attached to the grid. You need a battery so you can go off the grid, and those things can cost like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars. Yeah. So he would... went on Twitter today because Tesla bought one. I know you guys do. So Tesla has to- the Powerwall. He says you can buy if you're being impacted by the blackouts. You can buy a Tesla power battery plus solar for a thousand dollars off. And he said we're not making much money on that product, so a thousand dollars is a big deal. Yeah, I read, uh, too, to your point last week, that it would be like $3.4 billion just to put the lines underground in the high-risk fire areas, just in those alone. And that the way the, that they that they put these things underground in the timetable, it would take something like a 1,000 years to put all of the lines underground. That, like, that ship has sailed. We're screwed. What else should we do? Whether it's adding more sensors to develop when the winds pick up and, and when to shut off the power and have it more of a pinpointed situation um, is definitely on the table but uh, or, or, or go off the grid just yeah somehow we increasingly become independent yeah and then uh, also on the the berkshire hathaway thing newsom said that he he has not discussed or he wouldn't say whether he's discussed a bid with them but he says we're having a lot of conversations with a lot of people and that my <laughs> hope is that those that are interested really step up those efforts basically he's like just begging somebody please fix this throw money at the problem so i don't get the blame for all these fires uh, well yeah and meantime the mayor of san jose wants to turn pg&e into a customer-owned utility the nation's largest so that all five million ratepayers would own it because that would be better yeah, I, there's got to be something. I mean, come on. Like you said, this is these arguably the smartest portion of the earth exists within a couple of miles of where you are right now that that we got to have somebody in there who can go, hey, you know what I've been kind of playing around with? I'll, I cocktail napkin the other night a solution to all of this. Yeah, but they usually only cocktail napkin things that are going to earn them lots of money. And right. like Jane said, right. it's just a, a money pit right now. I, I just think really batteries. I think the 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 future is independence off the grid, connectedness somehow off the grid. Yeah. Well, Jane, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. And that will be not cheap. Okay, back to you, Jane Wells, <laughs> <laughs> at the Soda Rock Winery up in Healdsburg, uh, and uh, it's gone. By the way, I, I didn't know that. Did you? You didn't know what that the winery had been affected. Oh. You didn't uh, when see the I, picture? No, I didn't. I, I, well, I, I Googled it when we were talking to Jane, but when I said to her, I don't think it's probably an operation today, I was not making a joke about it being burned down. I had oh, yeah. no idea. She's in, I thought that that was just where she could get a signal out. She's uh, she's standing in front of the burned out hull of that yeah. thing uh, earlier so, on, on My apologies there. All right, we'll talk trending when we come back. Thank God. It looks like we are at 618 acres now up in the Sepulveda Pass that have been burned. 1,100 firefighters on the lines. They've added 
helicopters that are, of course, dropping those water drops. Then the fixed wing with the retardant still very active. There are hand crews active out there on the fire lines. He says the mayor to still stay out of the evacuation area if you are affected. However, mandatory evacuation orders have been lifted in the area between Sunset and PCH from Temescal Canyon to Chattaqua Boulevard. Yeah, the active uh, parts of this fire appear to be right up close to the Mountain Gate Country Club, that golf course that's up there, and the golf course itself is acting as a pretty strong fire break. It hasn't moved much farther north than that. There are a couple of equipment, uh, a couple of big trucks that are there now to try to get and make sure that that doesn't spread any farther north than the, than the golf course. Also, at Tiger Tail Trail, uh, just uh, be just west, it looks like, of Mount St. Mary's in, in that area between Mount St. Mary's and Mandeville Canyon, and along a fire road up there, there were a couple of places, the Whoops Trailhead, the Canyonback Tree Swing, if you know where those are, up at um, uh, Kent, Kent, Kenter, I think it is. At the top of that ridge up there is where they're also seeing some activity. But they've done a great job. There are just, it looks like, miles long uh, lines of the Fosjek that have been dropped there to try to slow down that fire from progressing anywhere to the north or to the west as it continues to burn. And again, just a couple of places that do have active flames still, uh, as of probably two hours ago, it looked for the most part like this had burned itself out, but there's still a couple of places that are burning. They said that they are looking forward to onshore breezes that they're expecting shortly to to shift and bring a bunch of moist air as this thing starts to lay down. Uh, when we come back, I wanted to talk about the technology that they're using. I found that yeah. to be pretty fascinating, um, the advances in technology that are allowing the firefighters to do their jobs uh, better and, and safer, really, in some instances. And Gary- guys, they, they did mention uh, after the mayor was done speaking Spanish, she mentioned that the number of homes destroyed is up to eight with at least five others damaged. Wow. Eight. All right. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll come back. We'll, uh, again, monitor some of the questions that are going on at that news conference for the Getty Fire. Now up over 618 acres is the last number and uh, continuing to burn, so we'll keep an eye on it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Well, tell me what you've done for me. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Keeping an eye on the Getty fire burning in the uh, Sepulveda Pass. They're just wrapping up their news conference from from the uh, nearby command center that they had posted. The mayor of Los Angeles was there, the fire chief, Ralph Tarasas, etc. said that the uh, fire had expanded up to about 618 acres. Still a couple of places that they're working on trying to put this fire out. It has in the last hour or so, uh, taken hold of an area right next to the Mountain Gate Country Club. That would be just west of the 405, uh, burned right up to the edge of, I don't know, the 11th tee. I I don't know which hole it is. But the golf course itself acts as a pretty strong fire break because it is just so green and so little for uh, anything to burn. And then an area between Mandeville Canyon and uh, the Mount St. Mary's Fire Road, there's an area like Kentner, K- Kenter, sorry, Kenter Avenue that uh, expands and goes up as sort of a fire road and a hiking trail up on the one of those ridges there. There are a couple of places that do still have some active flames on one of those ridges, but it's burning right up against 
this big, huge line of FOS check that they were able to drop, the tankers were able to drop down uh, over the course of the last couple of hours. And it doesn't look like it's going to get much farther, but still plenty of smoke being generated by this fire. Another beast of a fire burning up in Northern California coming up after Amy's news at the bottom of the hour. We will go live there to find Alex Stone. But again, about that press conference, we just heard from the mayor as well as the L.A. Fire Chief Ralph Terrazas, and he talked about firefighters that were first on the scene when this fire began at about 1.30. By the way, it was reported by a man who saw a power pole on fire. Eric Garcetti today saying that there is an arson investigation underway, but that does not mean that they believe it was arson, at least not at this point. That's just what they call the investigation into how the fire began. Uh, Ralph Terrazas, though, said that these firefighters who showed up on scene first that Very literally, they were overwhelmed that they had to make tough decisions on which houses to protect. And he said a lot of times it depended on where the ember lands. He said part of it is randomness that we see whenever we see neighborhoods succumb to fire. But he said part of it's construction. There were some homes made of concrete with boxed eaves and those survived. A very challenging fire, according to the chief. He said L.A. City was in on this. L.A. County Fire, even Orange County Fire Authority helped in as well. And then he talked about some technologies, some new technologies that they're able to utilize. One of those is this Wi-Fi system. Uh, Jane Wells actually referred to it as well. It In the very first um, calls that go out uh, on a fire like this, they will put aircraft in the air that have things like um, high-definition cameras, radar, infrared equipment that can look through the smoke and see the original perimeters of this fire compare that to the terrain, take into account whatever weather conditions they're dealing with, and then come up with a good predictive model about where that fire is expected to go for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it helps the firefighters get into the right position to potentially stop this thing from getting out of hand, but also it tells the fire officials and law enforcement which areas need to be evacuated, which neighborhoods specifically. Quite basically, it's technology to see where the hi- the fire is headed yeah. before it gets there. I mean, that's damn cool. He said it's not 100% accurate, but it's damn near 100%. The other thing that they're relying on more, and they started last year, are drones, that they're going to be using those later on in the week to develop an idea of where the hot spots are. That way they don't have to put the helicopters up there to do the same work. That way the pilots get a break. That way the helicopter motors get a break. That they're able to see the hot spots using these drones in various areas and then dispatch the resources as they see fit. Much more efficient plan than just having all your helicopters up there routinely. Yeah, so that's one aspect, this this Wi-Fi, the drones. Um, there are other discussions in, in taking a step back, and in general, the wind conditions, the public safety power shutoffs that we've seen. There was an international conference uh, back in March. The State Public Utilities Commission looked at some ideas on how to harness our technological might, our abilities when it comes to, to invention in the state of California to try to respond to wildfires, not just in the response to the actual flames, but responding to them before perhaps we see them starting. Smartphone apps, for example, guiding people onto the safest evacuation routes during smoke and the chaos of fires outside of just Google Maps or Apple Maps or Waze or something, something that is specific to that incident, to that location. Equipment that utilities could attach to power lines to provide diagnostics, uh, AI to teach remote cameras to monitor backcountry. There's an incredible uh, series of fire cameras 
that I've been watching ever since last week when we first saw the fires uh, pop up in Northern California, alertwildfire.org. I mean, just a series of hundreds of cameras up and down the state that just scan the horizon and look for, for wisps of smoke that could be the sign of something starting. And then finally, the, um, the idea of the unmanned drones, like you were referring to, not only to respond to fires and observe, but also go back in afterwards and check for hotspots and high-speed computing. That's part of the Wi-Fi system to, uh, to predict exactly where these things would spread and how fast they would move. Also, up in Northern California, it looks like PG&E had to submit some incident reports to the CPUC, and they were posted this morning. And it looks like that PG&E has told the regulators that it was its equipment that malfunctioned near two fires that broke out in Contra Costa County yesterday afternoon, Lafayette area. PG&E reported its workers found a downed power pole and a, a broken lashing wire in separate locations in the East Bay suburbs where the fires began about an hour earlier. Huh. Huh. What did you say? Isn't that great? Part of a uh, tennis club was damaged along with some other buildings damaged to one home. But yeah, about 4.45 p.m., a PG&E trouble man, that's what they call it, a trouble man, (laughs) but they have a lot of those, arrived uh, in the Lafayette area, observed that the lashing wire of a communication cable near the PG&E open wire secondary conductor was broken. About an hour later, another PG&E trouble man showed up at the location of the second fire. It's the worst superhero name ever. Saw a uh, fallen pole and transformer. So there you go. All right. Um, again, the Getty Fire now at about 618 acres in the Sepulveda Pass. Uh, helicopters making a lot of water drops on some of the active flame that we've been seeing up in one of the canyons. It's far enough away that you're not going to be able to see it from 405, although southbound 405 is shut down anyway. The, um, the Northern California Fire, the Kincaid Fire, The conditions there have improved greatly over the last couple of hours. The winds have died down. The wind advisories, in fact, have been called off for now because they do expect to see a lot of wind coming up in the next uh, day or two. So now is their opportunity to try to beat this thing down a little bit. And we'll get an update from Alex Stone, who is up in Sonoma County with the latest on that Kincaid fire. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The update this hour is the Getty Fire has exploded to about 618 acres, which is a pretty, it's pretty good news, to be honest with you. Because it was more than 500 this morning, so it means that they've made some quick work on uh, on roping that fire line around the perimeter of this thing. Uh, mandatory evacuation orders have been lifted in the area between Sunset and PCH from Temescal to Chautauqua Boulevard. And right now they're trying to capitalize on those onshore breezes as they try to get this thing to lay down. The most active area right now, it looks like, is out off the end of Bundy Drive. Bundy goes up into the hill and kind of comes to an end sort of adjacent to Mount St. Mary's. If you followed that canyon up uh, to the north, that's where the uh, the fire line is right now. But it looks like it's burned right up to the line of Fosjek that was dropped earlier today. There was another spot at the Mountain Gate Country Club that was burning as well, but right at uh, right up to the golf course and then stopping. Still plenty of hot spots. You know, you heard the chief Ralph Tarazas about twenty minutes ago explaining that they're going to make sure that they get this thing 
These are his words. They're going to get it as cold as they can before the winds pick up again late tomorrow night is when we're expecting to see them pick up. Well, we've got a fire in Northern California and Sonoma County again. Uh, it looks like 200,000 people remain under evacuation orders uh, at this point. Alex Stone is on the ground, joins us live. Alex, how's it looking up there? Hey, guys. Well, same thing that you just mentioned about down there is what they're trying to do up here. Yesterday was crazy here. I mean, the 100-foot flame lengths coming into to neighborhoods. We were in there as they were rolling in engines, many of them from Southern California, Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale, and they were protecting neighborhoods. In Windsor, which is very much a suburban community, kind of a suburb of Santa Rosa, that uh, they were pulling the hoses in there and uh, they were battling back the flames. Today, very different scene. I, I was just with a group of firefighters, a full strike team from Ventura County. They're up here and they're going through and trying to put out any hot spots uh, along the road here. They're looking for any opportunity to try to calm this thing down because the winds are coming back here tomorrow night as well. And they're worried about what the winds will do when they do kick back up. But finally today, the red flag warning expired here in Northern California after so many days at 11 o'clock this morning. Things began to change this morning. The, the wind died down. The humidity came up. Last night was a tough night for them. They lost more homes, but it's still very, very smoky here. There's still a lot of fire out there, but uh, most of what they can get to at least, it's not back in the remote areas. They've been able to battle that back down, and, and some of it it's done on its own because the winds have died down and the humidity has gone up. You spent a lot of time at the tick fire up in Canyon Country at the end of last week. Is there any way to compare these two? I mean, I would imagine that that one in Northern California is in a more rural area. Yeah, well, some of the connections would be that a lot of the firefighters who were at the tick fire are now up here. I was talking to, I think it was Redondo Beach, and uh, I said, were you down there? And they they said, yep, they, they were battling that, and they jumped in their engines and they came up here. So personnel-wise, there are a lot of connections. I mean, this one's a lot bigger. This is a massive fire. Uh, it almost doubled in size last night or yesterday during the, the windstorm. And it, it continues to grow now. So who knows where it's going to end up. This is a, a lot more homes being impacted. But Oh, I lost Alex. It took them away. Um, I was curious as to what their main concern is right now. I know that earlier it was the town of Windsor, which was completely evacuated. I think all three of us have probably spent some time at the Windsor Water Park yeah. in our youth. At Windsor um, Waterworks, you're going to get wet. That's right. Uh, that's all I knew Windsor for was that water park. <laughs> the there. water slides, yeah. Um, made some questionable liability decisions <laughs> at the uh, waterside park. I don't even think it's still open. But anyway, uh, that was their that was their focus this morning was saving that town. And then uh, Healdsburg, another just beautiful area up there, uh, dangerously close to the flanks of this fire. We saw when the Tubbs fire rolled through a couple of years ago, the the vineyards themselves were acting as fire breaks to a certain degree. There's not a whole lot for uh, to burn in a vineyard like that, at least not when the grapes are on the vine and the the vines are being watered, et cetera. But they're to a point where some of these grapes may have been harvested. And uh, if they're mechanically harvested, that tears up those plants and can 
make those, uh, you know, after you stop watering them or watering them as regularly as you had before, there's a chance that those vineyards do not act as the fire breaks that they normally would at a different time of year. So there's still plenty of danger, even if they are close to one of those areas, or if the vineyards are close to some of the flames. If she's around, we might need to check in with my mom because they haven't had power since Saturday. And as you reported, the latest out of PG&E was about 7 a.m. They put out a news release that... Some customers who are currently without power may not have it restored before the next wave of shutoffs begins, and that's going to be tomorrow. So some customers may be in the dark for five to seven days. And they're, uh, that's, it's, and how do you know if you're going to be one of those people or not? It's you a crapshoot. Especially if you, if you are like your parents, and the best thing that PG&E says is check our website yeah, good luck with that. How are you going to do that? Right. You're sur- you're 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 and maybe we won't check in with her because she's got to conserve her phone battery because that's all they have. Right. You know, when's the last time that was charged? She she said that when she found out that they might be on the list for power outage, uh, outages, she went to the Verizon store and was like, "What battery is going to work the best for the longest?" kind of thing. Yeah. And got a couple of those. All right. Well, uh, update you on what's going on. The um the fire in the Sepulveda Pass up around 618 acres. The fire that Alex was talking to us about up in Northern California is over 66,000 acres, and it's been burning since Wednesday night. Uh, I think we may have Alex back trying to get – is that him? I think it is. All right, let's check in one more time with Alex uh, as we get going here. Alex, what's going on? Hey, guys. uh, Sorry about that. Out in the middle of nowhere, uh, outside of Healdsburg. Anyway, uh, my point being that that this is a very different – uh, environment than uh, than what we saw in the tick fire. This is much more forested. Uh, this is much more agricultural, but there are also very much the suburban aspects to it as well, that if you looked in the neighborhood in Windsor uh, that uh, the flames were coming into yesterday, you could have put those homes in canyon country and it could have been the same fire, except the, the landscape behind them is very different. But similar homes, similar type uh, of neighborhood there, but they're also big I know folks hate it when we say multi-million dollar homes. They say, who cares? But they are big, real pricey wine country homes that we saw one burn to the ground this morning. There are a lot more that are threatened. So you have a little bit of everything, and a lot of it's agricultural. Some of it's neighborhood. It's so big, it's impacting a lot of different areas. The the, the air fight that's going on, I, you mentioned that the red flag warning was taken down at about 11 o'clock this morning. Have you seen an increase uh, since then uh, in terms of the air attack? No, unfortunately, we haven't seen any air attack today. And uh, unless it is somewhere else on the, the fire that I haven't seen, it's so smoky today because the wind isn't here that it's, you know, that, that really thick, low lay, low-lying, uh, almost fog-like smoke that uh, they haven't, it seems that they haven't been able to get air attack in. Yesterday, they couldn't do air attack until later on in the day when they really had to work on that neighborhood in Windsor. Um, But it was so windy that it was too turbulent early in the day. And then when they tried to do it, when they would drop their water or their pause check, that when they would drop it, it would just fly away in the wind. That it would get picked up in the wind and make a 90-degree turn and then just take off. So they were hampered that way. Today, though, they can't see where they're flying. So unless there's another area, but I haven't heard them anywhere, I haven't seen them anywhere, so it seems like they're having trouble getting their attack up today. They need this smoke to get out of here, and then they can try to get them in. Yeah, they said that there were gusts yesterday, 93 miles per hour. Yeah, you know, the radio traffic is we went over by that uh, the neighborhood in, in Windsor. I was on the other side of the fire where 
couple of wineries had burned and some other homes. And then we heard the radio traffic where the firefighters were reporting they were getting 100-mile-per-hour wind gusts on them. I mean, just incredible, the winds that they were dealing with. You know, the, the winds were pretty incredible last week at the Tick Fire as well. But that one standing in some of those canyons, just getting battered around. But they were dealing with really strong gusts here yesterday. And you imagine what, what that was doing to the flames. You've got a 100-mile-an-hour wind pushing those flames at you. That's what they were battling against as they were trying to save the homes in, uh, in Windsor. Alex, thanks so much. We'll check back with you later on. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there in Sonoma County. He is uh, covering the Kincaid Fire up around 66,000 acres already well, we have in Northern a, California. About 16,000 SoCal Edison people without power and a hell of a lot more under shutoff consideration amid the, uh, the the worst winds that are headed our way this week. We'll talk about that when we come back. We can confirm that this was not something that was caused by an encampment or um, by uh, Angelinos who were unhoused. Mm. Good Lord. Now listen. He did a good job in the second press conference. Eight homes were destroyed in this fire, and that's horrific. That might be one of the highlights that comes out of this fire, is him and his Angelinos that are unhoused. Yes, um, but he did get right to the fire information when he started the 12 o'clock press conference. Yes. And he kept the thank yous to a minimum. Good for him. Yeah. Gary and Shannon will... Baby, please have mercy on me. Shannon, KFI AM six forty live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We've obviously been uh, covering fires today. The fire at uh, the Sepulveda Pass that's burned about six hundred eighteen acres. The fire up north, the Kincaid Fire in Sonoma County, sixty six thousand acres. There have been a couple of other stories that we've been following today that include the uh, the death of Abu Bakr al Baghdadi, the head of ISIS. Uh, American Special Operations Forces went in. And uh, through some, I guess, information that was passed on to us by the Syrian Defense Force, the Kurds that have been working with them, we found where this guy was with a couple of wives and a handful of children. And uh, amazingly, they were, they being the Special Operations Forces, were able to keep the death at a minimum. Uh, basically, just the guy who did it, uh, Baghdadi, blew himself up after he had taken a bunch of uh, three of his kids into a tunnel with him. Didn't Trump say something to the effect of he was crying? He was crying, a whimpering. He was whimpering. Yeah. He was a coward. Um, <laughs> I guess there were a couple of his wives that were wearing suicide vests as well, but they didn't get a chance to detonate them before our guys took them out, which then meant we had to be super careful taking the vests off of them, although... I kind of figure everybody just leaves and then whatever happens to them happens. To them. Right. Anyway, right. Um, anyway, so the, so that guy's out and then Egyptian officials and uh, places around that part of the world say that they have been increasing security just to make sure that there is no sort of uh, retaliation. In fact, security at the New York Marathon, which I think is this weekend, has been stepped up, uh, or next weekend, I should say, has been stepped up as well. Hey, just briefly, uh, kind of a crazy story, a 2019 in America story, a huge settlement, $19 million to a St. Louis County police sergeant who was told to tone down your gayness if you want to be promoted to lieutenant. I saw that. $19 million for that. 
Now, he'd been passed over. How many over... times have you told me to tone down my gayness? I mean, oh. how many times have I told you to tone down? <laughs> I don't know. I'm anyway, in... I'm just saying it's not worth $19 million. Well, that's almost a million uh, bucks for every time he was passed over for a promotion. No. He said that he was passed over 23 times for a promotion uh, and then said that it was because of his gayness. Okay. Well, a jury nineteen given mil. him $19 million. That's why people settle, so they don't have to pay $19 million. Yeah, unfortunately. Good Lord. All right, so let's talk about power outages, shall we? About 15,000 SoCal Edison customers have no power today. They're thinking about turning off services for 350,000 more to reduce the risk of fire. Wow. Most now, uh, widespread outages are in Ventura and L.A. counties. The um, This echoes, of course, what's going on with the larger utility, Pacific Gas and Electrics. They said that 2 million people at one point had their electricity turned off. Your parents were among them. Even though they're far away from the fire itself, the right. concern is that there might be more fires. And you mentioned this earlier. PG&E had to come out and say there was a smaller couple of fires in the Lafayette area that they started with their equipment that went down in some wind over the weekend. You must be damn worried about their equipment up in the Bay Area because it, my parents have been in the house I lived my whole life in, and there's never been a fire remotely close to to their house. No. See, and that's that's part of what the issue is, is there there's not enough, there's no mechanism for them to just locally, to localize their shutoffs. Yeah. Two million people without power is too many. It's unnecessary. So uh, this is part of what we... Uh, have to live through for the next couple of years until they can figure it out. We'll right. come back. We'll, we'll talk to Owl. Our, our, I'll try it. Let me do take two. We're going to talk. Okay. When we come back. We're going to talk to all our reporters that are out in the field. Chris and Carlos at the Getty Fire. Monica has been talking to firefighters and uh, was at the press conference as well with the fire chief and Alex Stone. We'll go back up to Northern California and see how they are doing. Oh, take two is so much better. It's so much better. Oh. Our, 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 our Listen. reporters. You didn't have as many meats as I had. As many what? Meats. The the pictures of the food that she showed me from this weekend in Chicago. So much. Did you have deep dish? You're damn right I did, Mm -hmm. Amy. Mm -hmm. I'm an American. It's a good thing that Bears kicker also had some of that pizza too, huh? Easy. What? That was Nagy's fault. Why you would take a knee with 43 seconds left on the clock. Right. On the 20, what, making it a 42-yard field goal? 25-yard. What the hell are you doing? Uh, He trusted the guy. No. Can't trust the guy. No, he didn't trust him. That's why he did it. He did not trust the offense. He did not trust Trubisky. But he trusted his kicker more than he trusted Trubisky. Yeah. Oops. Gary and Channel will continue. Do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Another fire day, fire Monday today. The Getty fire burning in uh, the Sepulveda Pass. We'll get to that in a second. Just about a minute ago, this tweet was uh, was posted. You know who that is? Looks like a police dog. Close. Special, special operations dog. Okay. That dog... The picture of the dog has been declassified by the White House. 
but the name of the dog has not been declassified. So the president literally tweeted a picture of the dog that was in, uh, involved in the operation to go get al-Baghdadi in Syria over the weekend, but did not <laughs> release his name. He said, we have declassified a picture of the wonderful dog, name not declassified, oh that did God. such a great job in capturing and killing the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, and then posted a picture of this beautiful dog. I don't know, Belgian Malinois or something like that. That it's dog a- looks like Jim Mattis. That dog <laughs> looks like Chuck Connors. Like That dog is the guy that you want, the dog that you want in the hole with you. And I didn't... N- I guess they do glamour shots for those dogs. I don't know if this was taken before or after or... I don't know if it's a glamour shot. I mean, I don't think he would appreciate you calling it a glamour shot. You're right. I shouldn't have said that. And whatever I do... The dog is going to end you. Do not look in that dog's eyes. Mm -mm. Anyway, I thought we'd bring that to you as well, because that's the good news uh, after the bad news that broke out this morning early along the Sepulveda Pass, somewhere along the 405... Uh, there was a fire that broke out and uh, was threatening originally the Getty Center. Everything's safe. But at least eight homes have burned in this uh, fire. They're calling it the Getty Fire in 618 acres. Yeah, eight homes destroyed, five homes damaged on Tiger Trail there. You can see the indiscriminate nature of this fire, how it just hopscotches uh, across the street where some homes are not touched, uh, surrounded by two that have completely been leveled. Also, uh, classes have been canceled for Cal State University San Bernardino this afternoon because of power disruptions caused by high winds. We've told you about 15,000 people do not have power, and they're going to probably increase that number as the strongest Santa Ana event makes its way in tomorrow evening. Well, we're trying to get a handle on this fire in the Sepulveda Pass as we see the winds die down at least a bit. Chris Ancarlo has been out there all morning and has been covering this fire for us. What does it look like now? Well, right now, I'm trying to stand up, but I'm, like, entangled in a web of cords. So let me... uh tangle loose real quick and i'm going to give you a look around the clock so let's uh let's start off and pretend that i'm looking at a clock six o'clock is going to be down santa monica let's take a look back across to seven o'clock eight o'clock is century city nine o'clock is going to be the getty center in between me and the getty center on top of this ridge is going to be the uh the lane that saw a number of homes burn down a little bit earlier today uh that's where the eight homes that have been confirmed ended up burning down there's one still smoldering at the top of the ridge line and then further down into the gully itself a couple of hot spots that helicopters have been continuously hitting here for the last couple of hours we're going to continue on the clock to nine o'clock to ten o'clock into ten o'clock we've got a completely dead hill side denuded of uh, all vegetation completely burned out and then we're going to move to 11 o'clock and to 12 o'clock and once we get to 12 o'clock on the dial we've got a nice plume of smoke that's been uh, rising up out of this box canyon over here for the last about 90 minutes or so and uh, it's doing what firefighters want it to do which is essentially to burn out all that fuel but uh, as it burns it's burning up of course and as it's burning up it's burning to where they had laid down all of the retardant that red foss check as a matter of fact i was standing on this ridge line as plain Plane after plane came down and uh, and dropped that red stuff, including the DC-10. And man, is that impressive to watch when you're at eye level with the pilots as they're dropping into this canyon to drop uh, all of the uh, retardant. And then on the ground, you've got crews that are uh, strung out like little yellow and orange ants, and they've got uh, they've got line that they've carried along with them right along all of the unburnt vegetation. And uh, so what they're doing is uh, basically churning up any hot spots, 
taking it down to Mineral Earth, making sure that line is contained all the way back up to the ridge line that is still burning with these flames coming up over out of the canyon. And uh, once it, they get that cooled off with a nonstop drop of water, then they're going to continue working on up the ridge line. The fire officials and the mayor said stay away from the area, even though we're getting a handle on this thing, or you know, feels like we're getting a handle on some of the flanks of this thing. Are there people coming back into the neighborhoods that you've observed, or do people seem to be doing a good job of staying away? Yeah, people are doing a good job from what I've seen of staying away. And you know, to draw a contrast with uh, the tick fire, we- eons ago last thursday and friday uh the neighborhoods there largely did not evacuate even if they were on mandatory evacuation i remember driving around there and you know people watching as the firefight is you know maybe a football field away and just sitting there on their front lawns uh taking it in here i mean people got out right away and i think part of it was because of the way this thing smacked down in the middle of the night really came out of nowhere for a lot of folks and uh you know the lapd and la fire department and all other you know law enforcement partners were out here hot and heavy saying hey guys you got to get out of here they were out on loudspeakers knocking on doors doing everything to get people uh moving on into uh, other places where that were safer the uh by the way that mandatory evacuation zone we've seen shrink just a little bit so that's maybe a good sign in terms of how this uh, fire turned as is the wind which is shifted from an offshore flow to an onshore flow coming up from the pacific which i can see uh very clearly from where i'm at here on this ridge top and uh it's a, actually a really nice sea breeze that's blowing in here at the moment uh, that could uh, that could change things greatly, of course, over the next uh, couple of hours if that continues. Well, you know, it's a, it's it's kind of a I don't want to say it's even quite bittersweet. It's it's one of those interesting transitions for firefighters because you always have to worry about once you shift from offshore to onshore, the wind uh, backing the fire up on you and maybe sending it into places that had not been burnt in that original run from the east-northeast. And so that's always a cause for concern, but it's not really a, a significant win. I'll hold my microphone up and see if, uh, see if maybe you can catch a little bit of it. But even standing out here completely exposed in the wind, it's not blowing across this. This microphone, which this mic that I'm using right now is not the one that I take when I actually talk to people in the wind. This one's a, a more of a studio mic. It's a it's a it's a house cap mic, and uh, it just kind of hangs out and it doesn't like to deal with the ambient noise. So that should tell you how little wind there is actually blowing right now. A house cat mic. You know yeah, what? So, you know, you it's, are it's happy, unmatched. It's happy in the vehicle. You are unmatched <laughs> with your descriptions, Chris Carlo. I, I called him a verbal Bob Ross. Oh, my week. God. That's so good. Isn't that right? That's almost something like Chris Carlo would say. <laughs> You're rubbing off on him. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. We love it. Yeah. You know what? Um, I mean. It's refreshing. <sighs> it's like a cool breeze it off is. Lake Michigan in October. Don't talk to me about Lake Michigan in October. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Chris, thank you. She Appreciate knows. it. She knows I'm bitter. <laughs> Chris and Carla there with the latest on the, again, the Getty fire burning at least 618 acres. We know it was not started by an Angelino experiencing unhousedment, or however the mayor put it this morning. Um, but they did say that they are investigating for the cause uh, to find out the cause exactly. Uh, as Chris mentioned, that the uh, some of the uh, evacuation areas have shrunk down a bit thanks to the fact that this thing the, the wind conditions have changed considerably since this thing started at 1.30 in the morning. And as we heard the chief say, they want to make sure that this gets cooled off quite a bit before anything happens uh, wind-wise late tomorrow night is when we expect to see the next big Santa Ana 
event come through. All right, coming up next, we'll check in with Monica Rick. She's been talking to firefighters and uh, and the, the chief and the mayor. She was at the press conference as well. She'll bring us the latest as G- well. Gary and Jenna will continue. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We are, of course, all over these fires. Go live now to Monica Ricks. She is at UCLA at the command post, which happens to be in Jackie Robinson Stadium. Monica, what's the latest over there? Hey, well, uh, officials actually talked about the acreage and how firefighters are making progress. I know that you guys have been talking about that for for a while now, but uh, up to 618 acres at this point, and we know 1,100 firefighters are out fighting this fire. So a lot of uh, people are on the ground making sure that this is as contained as possible because we know that Santa Ana winds could pick up as early as tomorrow and Wednesday and possibly maybe cause some flare-ups or blow some embers nearby and maybe cause some even even bigger fires. So uh, they're trying to take as as many precautions as they can, get as many hands on this fire as they can to get it out before that happens. And L.A. Fire Chief Ralph Terrazas, who spoke about how difficult it was to tackle this fire this morning, he actually talked about how overwhelmed crews have been because they've had to make some tough decisions on which homes to save starting very early this morning. I saw homes that uh, were adjacent to homes that were totally destroyed without any damage and when I look at those homes part of its randomness part of it is building construction a lot of them uh, that survived had boxed eaves and and made out of concrete and they survived Um, very very challenging fire what I thought was interesting about him speaking was the tone of his voice he sounds so yeah, he and sounds so like a guy that guys... was woken up at 1.30 when he got the call, we've got a fire in the yeah. Sepulveda Pass. Yeah, but but they've been getting these calls, you know, pretty consistently for the past few weeks. So just imagine, like, being one of these guys that are out on these fire lines for 12, 14, 16 hours at a time um, and getting these calls, you know, over and over. And I know that this is just every year now with fire season. But it takes a toll on these guys. And I also talked to L.A. Fire Captain Brendan Silverman about that and the importance of of getting rest and, and food and refueling before getting back out on those fire lines. This is what he had to say. Well, we definitely set up a large command post and base camp. Basically, you've seen uh, it turns into somewhat of a small village. It has all, everything that we need when it comes to hot meals for morning and uh, dinner time and sleeping trailers come in so crews can get some good rest because, as you can see, it's a very arduous work when you're out there on the fire line. And I did it for several years. Right now I'm handling the media side, so I really do appreciate the hard work that those firefighters are doing. Uh, but they definitely do uh, need to rest as much as possible so they can be at their best. You've seen those pictures all over social media, right, of the firefighters just passed out on on the grass whenever they can. Uh, We know the Getty Center down the street uh, may serve as a rest stop for these guys because it's sort of centralized to this fire. Um, uh, I spoke to, I I talked to some of the employees there and they said that they were prepping, I don't know if they were getting snacks together or something, but they said that they were prepping for the Getty Center to possibly be um, just an R&R spot uh, for these guys whenever they need to take a break. They wouldn't open and let them go through the exhibits, would they? That'd be. I well, I don't think they'd be too. I don't interested think they're in into that the right exhibits. now. I th- you know, no, I don't I think, think culture they... is on their list of things to accomplish in the next twenty-four hours. 
No, but a nice air-conditioned spot where they can just rest their head or close their eyes for a few, even if it's just for a few minutes, yeah. I bet those guys would love that. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I leave him alone for a day and he gets weird. I don't know. I apologize, Monica. Yeah, I remember the... Maybe it was a weird weekend. We don't know. <laughs> no, it's just true. Um, so I just remember the images, too. Was it just last week of the tick fire near Santa Clarita? Yeah. yeah. Of the fire, the hand crews, the guys just, like, clawing their way up that yeah. charred hill. And it just... Yeah, because it's not just... Yeah, it's not flat terrain that we're talking about here. These are hills. These are, yeah, like you said, the the charred terrain that you have to, like, very delicately sort of weave your way through because, you know, it is wet from all that water. It could turn muddy. It could get dangerous. You know, they could get hurt. So it's it's very tricky. It's exhausting. Um, they do have help from all over the state that, you know, there are reinforcements on their way. We know Orange County has been a huge help uh, to L.A. and L.A. County here uh, in this area. So they are getting reinforcements. It's just a matter of them getting here and relieving some of these guys that have been on the fire lines for hours. Uh, Monica, Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. Monica Ricks there again. She's at the uh, she's at UCLA Jackie Robinson Stadium where they've set up sort of the command post for this Getty Center fire. Mm-hmm. Getty fire. Sorry. We will check back in with Alex in Northern California when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Getty Fire, 618 acres, eight homes lost, five damaged, 1,100 firefighters on the scene. They've been fighting the flames since the wee hours of the morning. Got some more helicopters that have responded to the call to help contain the blaze. They dropped the water, the fixed aircraft, the fixed wing aircraft, they dropped the retardant. They're saying, although it looks like we are making progress and we are, if you've evacuated the area, do not return until we give the all clear. Well, the um, the fire itself has burned about eight homes. Uh, this is the Getty Fire, 618 acres. Eight homes were destroyed, at least five others that were damaged. And uh, a couple of a uh, couple of them are just absolutely spectacular homes that are gone now, close to Mount St. Mary's. And the crews, man, I mean, look at that trudge that those guys are doing to get into some of these areas in these bushes and the hand crews themselves. This is um, the attempt to see if we can get all of these hotspots put out or at least wetted down before the winds come back in. Late tomorrow night is what we're expecting. Now, up north, we've also been following the story of the Kincaid Fire. That's up over 66,000 acres in Sonoma County. I was just looking at a real-time map of the wind gusts in the area, whereas today they're down in the 15 to 20-mile-an-hour range as of right now. But like we were saying earlier, there were gusts up to 90 and 100 miles an hour earlier in the weekend. Alex Stone is covering that fire for us and joins us now with the latest. Alex, how's it looking? Hey, guys. Yeah, it was nuts yesterday as the the flaming front was coming in, uh, 100-foot flame lengths coming into the neighborhoods around Windsor. And firefighters, they did incredible work protecting uh, the, the neighborhoods and battling back those flames. Today, though, as you mentioned, the, the winds are way down. 
And even those 15-mile-an-hour wind gusts must be up at the top of peaks because down here at, at ground level, there has been no wind today. And just the, the difference compared to this time yesterday when it was going nuts here and there were engines going all over the place and firefighters were pulling hoses, that today they're doing everything very deliberately. They're on the offense now instead of on the defense. I'm with a crew right now that uh, to bulldozer crew, they're creating a fire break. They're helping uh, with fire line by moving the, the bulldozer and then opening up big areas. So if tomorrow night they're expecting here the same thing that you're expecting in Southern California, that tomorrow night if the, the winds are actually tomorrow morning here, it, when the winds kick back up again, they're expecting 50, 60 mile an hour wind gusts tomorrow, that there is nothing that then can take off on them. There was a, another crew across the street a few minutes ago. They were using a foam, putting it on every tree that burned. They're trying to make everything cold. Uh, an hour or so ago, Ventura County was up here. They were doing cold trailing where they were there with their tools, really turning over the dirt, making sure there is nothing hot underneath. It's all about, same thing as down there, all about getting this ready for tomorrow making sure that the winds don't kick it back up and then it takes back off on them. Alex, do you know where PG&E stands for all of those power outages in Marin County, the Bay Area there that are not really even very close to to this fire? There's just worries about more winds. Is there an update on when the power is going to come back on? I know earlier they had said that they would not be restarting the power before the next wind event, potentially for a lot of people. Yeah, well, the hope is in many areas it's going to come back on today. I know my parents really hope that. <laughs> they haven't had much power this month. Every time it comes back on, then it's off a day or two later. They had no power last week, came back on Friday in Santa Rosa. Then they cut it on Saturday night. Now they're waiting for it to come back on. And the, the hope is PG&E has said they will try to get it back on later today, but then they're probably going to cut it again tomorrow. You've got a lot of folks here in Sonoma County and other areas as well, but They've been dealing with these power outages quite a bit, saying, what the heck are we going to do? That They can't live like this all August or all October and then going into November not knowing what's going to go on. That They have not had power for a big chunk of this month, and they, they can't live like I mean, cold showers, not being able to charge your cell phones, not having lights at night. It's living by lantern here. The hotels have to shut down. It, uh, it's been rough here in the, the North Bay this month under this new plan to, to shut everything down in, in big numbers. But as of right now, the numbers are still up there, still looking at about two and a half, three million people. It's about a million PG&E customers. But then you multiply that and it's uh, around three million people. And they don't uh, they, they aren't giving a, a good answer right now of when they're going to be able to get it all back on, except saying that they're going to try to do it hopefully today. Yeah, there could be some people that go five to seven days. I was talking to my mom. My parents don't have power either. They're in Novato. And she was saying it, it hit her when she realized she can't even get a cup of coffee. She has to drive to San Francisco for a cup of coffee if she wanted one. Because uh, just nothing is, there's just no power across a large swath of that area. Yeah, well, and you know, you charge everything in your car. That's what I've been doing. That whether it be the laptop or the cell phones Good or tip. your Apple Watch or any, anything, it's, it's all done in the car. And, man, those showers are cold. <laughs> those are the coldest showers <laughs> yeah. you've ever had. It's been, it's been in the 30s here at nighttime, and the water coming out of the tap is very, very cold. But, I mean, that's nothing compared to, to what folks here are going through. A cold shower is no big deal. But it is a little bit painful, a little like torture every night when you try to get the smoke off. And it's, you know, the freezing cold water coming out. 
but hopefully they'll get the, the power back on pretty quickly. Uh, in terms of evacuations, there were entire towns up there that were evacuated. Have they repop? I hate that word. Have they let anybody back in? No, nobody's getting back in. And they're saying that that's probably not going to happen today. Uh, Healdsburg, uh, Cloverdale to a, a portion of Cloverdale, uh, Geyserville, those are all still evacuated. And then big chunks of Santa Rosa and then out toward Bodega Bay, all the way out to the Pacific Ocean. It's 180,000 people who have been evacuated. There are some areas on the other side of Highway 101 up here instead of V101, Highway 101, uh, that they evacuated out of fear that if any embers went over there and landed, that then they could take off. And a lot of people were saying, why am I evacuated? I'm many miles away from the fire. I'm out by the ocean. I'm in Bodega Bay. The reason why they did that is in case, like what we saw in Santa Clarita last week, that you get an ember that that takes a run in the wind, then comes down and and takes off at that point. They didn't want to be doing very quick mass evacuations, so they got people out early, and that annoyed a lot of people here. They didn't have power, then they got evacuated even though they were far away. They may begin allowing those folks back in, but there's still that concern about tomorrow and the wind. So the sheriff's department here is saying they haven't decided yet. Do they just leave everybody out until this next wind event is done? Or do they let them go back in tonight and hope the wind event isn't that bad? Or do they let them go in and get some stuff and then go back out? They don't know. They're trying to figure that out right now. Alex, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone up there in Sonoma County. The latest, uh, what's going on in the Kincaid fire. Again, that thing is up to 66,200 plus acres. Uh, and as Alex mentioned there, they're not letting anybody back in because of the concern that it's going to get worse. Now, their wind, uh, their red flag warnings up there expired at 11 o'clock this morning. And uh, they were going to use today, they hoped, to try to get uh, a big handle on that fire before it expanded anymore and uh, get ready for what will be the next big winds that come through. All right, Gary and Shannon, we'll wrap this up when we come back. Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. John and Ken coming up in a few minutes. John actually uh, forced, uh, getting ready to be forced out of his house this morning. He had joined us early in the show, and he'll expand on it when they uh, they come along. But about 3 o'clock in the morning when he woke up, just because that's when you wake up apparently at that house, I uh, realized that there was going to be an issue. So they were ready to evacuate. There were a couple of uh, other stories that were going on locally outside of the Getty fire that we wanted to bring to you, including the fact that uh, Congresswoman Katie Hill has resigned. She did that last night after a series of pictures came out. She blamed her uh, aggressive and abusive husband. Uh, in Claims the she's a victim of divorce. revenge porn, and I think she absolutely was. However, that does not take away the fact that she was having relations, sexual relations with a staffer. Yeah. And you can't do that as a congressperson. It doesn't matter what what team you're playing on or It's really never a good idea, but uh that was what she was doing and uh being a victim of revenge porn unfortunately doesn't undo that fact for her. There was also a shootout this morning outside a, a market in North Hollywood. The business owner and some members of they said an Armenian street gang who were trying to extort $100,000 from him. 
they were cleaning uh, – the employees were cleaning graffiti from the outside walls of the Royal Fresh Market on Sherman Way. And a bunch of people, a bunch of gang members showed up at about 8 in the morning. And what the suspects weren't counting on was that the victim was armed as well. The guy who owns that market had a couple of weapons with him. So he and the gang members started shooting at each other. Hit several cars, left the parking lot littered with spent casings. They have arrested at least one person, and uh, they're not. There were no other injuries. They said there was one person that was supposedly limping when they got away, but they never showed up to a hospital. So they're saying right now they don't know anybody who was injured specifically. Um, I have nudist news. Oh well, in that case, let's end it on a positive I note, mean, shall I feel we? Like we've done fire coverage for for four hours, and things look like they're going uh, in in the way of the firefighters. Benefit? Yeah. So we'll bring you this story from Dave, Davidsonville, Maryland. Does this count as a naked desk or does it not? Yeah. We not- we, can we go grab John and Ken's naked desk? But they're, I mean, they're here. I don't know how that's going to go over. Oh, you mean they won't allow us to pull right. it out of the desk closet? Right. Because I have the key. Oh. But since they're here, they're going to be like, what are you doing in the closet? And we'll I'm just be like, pre- oh, I'm just looking around. We'll just pretend that Nick did his job then. All right. You're really hard on Nick today. <laughs> Davidsonville, Maryland is home to, you guessed it, a nudist resort. And apparently there's been an accident. There was a man injured in a golf cart crash at this nudist resort. Uh-oh. That sounds right now like it hurts. His injuries were not considered life-threatening, but maybe genital-threatening. Wow. Because the man was nude and in a golf cart crash. And everybody knows where you land when you fall out of a golf cart, right? On the genitals. No, on the ground. Oh. What's wrong with you? (laughs) What do you mean, what's wrong with me? The man crashed into a tree. This weekend. Oh, boy. And that caused the cart to overturn. There's things that... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. (laughs) This says the man was not wearing a helmet at the time. He wasn't wearing anything. (laughs) Okay? Have you ever seen anybody drive a a golf cart with a helmet on? Is that a law in Maryland that you have to have a helmet on? What's more odd? Driving it naked or driving it with a helmet? Hold on a second. Yeah. You've been to golf courses before. Yeah. What do you think would be the most uncommon thing to see? Well, I've never seen a helmet. (laughs) The man was able to, uh, I guess, extract himself from the ground. He called 911 from a building at the Maryland Health Society where he was either visiting or staying. Is that the name of the place? The Maryland Health Society? Yes. Google it and you'll pull up pictures of naked people you don't want to see naked. Did I ever tell you about the time I went to a nudist resort? No. Well, it was a beach resort, a nudist beach resort. Okay. All men, all gay, all with, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't, um, how should I put it? Like the picture of men's health. Ah, got it. You know, they were like the hedonists. They eat whatever they want. They drink whatever they want. They get nude whenever they want. Here's another hot tip if you're headed to a nudist beach. Don't forget to put sunscreen on. Is that an issue? Well, because, you know, those parts have not seen the sun probably. Well, speak for yourself. Uh, The Maryland Health Society 
was chartered in 1934. Uh, it says, we are the oldest 100% nonprofit clothing optional health resort and campground in the USA and have been Washington, D.C.'s best kept secret ever since. We focus on the core values of total acceptance and natural health. Mm-hmm. The founding members instilled these principles from the onset as the foundation to build on. The concept of health is not only for our members and guests, but also for our facilities oh, as well. there's a Christmas party coming up. Yes, there is. They're having a potluck dinner. Yep. I'm sorry. A couple things that don't go together are nudists and potluck dinners. And I'm hot not... hot plates of cookies. Am I right? Uh, it says, we'll also have our famous Chinese auction of Christmas presents. What is that? <laughs> I have no idea. What does that mean? Uh, what I, is it? What is I'm that? I'm worried. Jay? Like, my mind is going to a dark place when I think about that. Um, I don't even. <clears throat> the thing is, there's a there's a picture right there of their pool. With the Are people. there nudists there? I, yeah, but it's a really far away picture. The, they don't really have a whole lot on their calendar of events uh, page. Oh, right. So let's see how much it costs. I see here. Uh, for a couple, it's a daily grounds fee. $50 you got to pay to go see the nudes. Uh, and like you said. There's a youth There's a youth fee of $20 a day. Well, youth, you have to be between 18 and 24. Right. But if you're a member of the military... You get a 20% discount. Listen, you and your wife could uh, retire over there for an annual membership, about $1,300 for both of you. <laughs> yeah, let me get right on that and ask her if that's an option. There are cabins. There are trailers. You get yourself a naked RV. <laughs> RV. Nick, well, thank you for that story. Yes, that was I, very I, like, nice. I needed that. That was a good Man, way to end. That was incredible. What otherwise was a pretty hot day. Um, let's hope that there are no more fires for us to do tomorrow. We have a bunch of stuff that we have to get to. We have so much. We have so much stuff. That doesn't involve naked people. Or unhoused Angelinos. It might. Well, we don't know. We could combine those two. The nudist colony and the unhoused Angelinos? Yeah. Angelinos who are unhoused. I'm sorry, Angelinos who are unhoused. Well, you thought that one homeless lady was hot. But she had a lot of clothes on. (laughs) Let's go. John and Ken Ubex, we'll see you tomorrow. Stay (laughs) dry, everybody. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to... Gary and Shannon.